You're listening to Co-op Mood, a casually serious conversation about playing video games. This is episode 17, God Mode. Lord Zeus, I bid you, please accept my humble offering for all you've done for me. I'm Sally. You can find me on Twitter at Sally T. And I'm Shane. You can find me on Twitter at Mondangerous. What just happened? It's all a grand experiment, Shane. (laughs) You know, you can have a short, pithy, fun thing to say that kind of acts as filler, or you can try to shoehorn in a quote from the video game we're going to be discussing that's long and see how that goes. (laughs) Cool. Well, it went. (laughs) It went. Okay. So we like to start each episode awkwardly. And after we do that, we talk about a story from the world of video games that we want to talk about. And today's story is definitely in keeping with the theme of what we're going to talk about later, which is part two of our discussion of the game Hades. Shane, can you tee us up and tell us about this article we're talking about? Yeah. So this article appeared in the Washington Post on December 4th. It's called The Uneasiness of Easy Modes Prompts Creative Approaches from Game Developers. And it talks about several games, including Hades, where easy mode couldn't be called easy, right? Like where where you had challenges in the way that you make the game accessible or less time consuming or less grindy or whatever, you know, kind of your definition of easy is within your game, how you like what dials you're able to twist on the difficulty in order to allow more players to experience more of the game. Yeah. And it's interesting because the article talks about all the different ways that games nowadays are approaching making their games more playable for different kinds of gamers. And as someone who messes with easy modes a lot, you know, I, I appreciate this kind of like creative thinking about how to change the way games are played. You know, The Last of Us 2 did this. There were a lot of different things you could tweak to kind of change the play experience. And I really like when like you said, Shane, there are different kind of like knobs you can turn to change the play experience as opposed to just, you know, having one choice, easy, medium, hard, like meat grinder is is <laughs> like, I, I, I feel like we're kind of moving away from just those as like static categories and games are now trying to like, they're removing this like built in assumption that everyone needs the same things changed to make something easier or harder mm-hmm. because you know there are, there are some things when you when you turn a game to easy mode there are some things that get too easy and some things that get just easy enough and some things that are still kind of too hard so right. i i i like this article is like kind of digging into that and all the different ways that games can be more playable and also kind of more accessible yeah that's that, that's something else that the article does bring up that I, I've always kind of struggled to put my finger on, but the idea of like accessibility versus playability, right? Like your, you know, I, it's easy to think of accessibility as like colorblind mode, right? And and other like settings that allow like gamers that have, you know, disabilities to overcome them or, or have more accessibility mm-hmm. to the game to be able to play at all. Mm-hmm. But then talking about, the difficulty of the game is an accessibility option versus just a question of how far in the game are you able to actually play? How much can you get your money out of it uh, or your money's worth rather? Like uh, it's an interesting point. I like, I'm not, I always kind of see it in two different ways. Like I'm always happy to see accessibility. I generally don't care about difficulty. I pretty much play it on whatever the default difficulty is. And if that doesn't work for me, then I get angry at the developer. (laughs) 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 and under no circumstances do i ever change it Um, which probably says more about me than it does about games (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i tend to make use of different modes mostly when i'm getting annoyed at the game so there will be times when i'm trying to do something and i'm trying over and over and over and you know i know what i have to do but if i can't execute something like the fifth time, I'm just going to easy mode and I'm going to do it because I, you know, my experience of the game, I think for some people there is this thing of like, I, I did something really hard and I, it's an accomplishment that I didn't change the setting and all this stuff. And like, that's totally fine. It's just that it's not really what I want to do. You know, as I keep thinking about that, like, 
<laughs> marketing survey we did essentially that, you know, t- tells you your gamer profile. And I, I think for me, I'm just so much more interested in the story than I am like, quote unquote, accomplishing something mm-hmm. that, you know, the accomplishment is just like not going to carry me through. And I'm, I'm actually like kind of wondering, um, I was listening to a podcast uh, the other day that I totally can't remember the name of, but if I do, I will put a link to it in the show notes where the host who's a streamer and like a, just like a person, a personality in video games was answering a question from one of their listeners that was like, do games like Bloodborne and Demon Souls, like games that are sort of famously difficult, has the time passed for those kinds of games? Like, you know, can we just like live in a world where when, when people create games, they are keeping in mind all different kinds of gamers. And so they create those games so that no matter what kind of gamer you are, you have a chance of like playing the game and finishing it. And I thought the answer that this podcaster gave was really interesting, which was just sort of like, yes, I do think that is the world we should live in. And I used to be a get good person and this game's not for you if it's not for you. But now I feel like that that ends up like excluding a bunch of people who would otherwise maybe like to not only like play a game, but like be part of the conversation around a game. Because a lot of these games, being able to play them and talk about them mean that you're able to take part in like a discourse about mm-hmm. video games and being excluded from that may suck. So I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting, I think it's also just, it makes games better when you can manipulate difficulty settings in, in different ways. It just gives you more ways of playing the game, which is cool. Yeah, no, no, I agree that it, it's definitely, it's the kind of thing that like, if your goal is to have more people enjoying your game, it's a thing you should put time into. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think that has to be the goal for everybody, though. <laughs> like, and I certainly don't think we should just say no. Our like, you know, like I, I think of like I don't have to play like NFL level football in order to appreciate watching football, <laughs> right? Like, I like you don't have to be an elite athlete in order to appreciate the Olympics, and you're still part of the discourse, right? So, video games can easily go in that direction too. And we already understand how to cope with our own failings of our ability to click buttons. So I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I, I hear that. Like, I think my biggest thing is like, I want easy mode to actually make the game easy to enjoy, not mm-hmm. just easy to play. And I think that's an important distinction of like something like Hades, where like, you still keep the core game experience. Whereas like a lot of games, especially older games, easy mode meant you just removed enemies, you removed challenges, you like got tool tips that solved puzzles for you or whatever. And like, you just weren't playing the game anymore. You were just kind of autopiloting through. And like, mm-hmm. I'm really happy that like easy mode is as, as I now advance into fatherhood with even less time to spend in video games <laughs> is now going to be there to like, you know, meet me where I'm going. <laughs> totally and not just be stuck like okay i'm never gonna learn how to hit like the sequence of a b up and down in like the right sequence to get through this level and then i'm screwed (laughs) like Mm -hmm. sorry the rest of the game is just cut off to me totally yeah and i mean like you know even even with hades which i i really like the the god mode but i have to say like it it made the game easier for me, but not easy enough that I actually like moved through the game that well. Because basically with with God mode, every time you die, you gain 2% damage resistance, starting with 20. So when you turn on God mode, the first time you die, your damage resistance is 20%. Then every time thereafter, it goes by two, goes up 2%. I played and played and played, and I think my damage resistance is like up to like almost 50%. And I'm still not really getting that much further in the game. And I think that's a case of like, you know, every game cannot do everything at all. But I think that like when you have different knobs and dials, you can turn to change the way a game is played like they had in The Last of Us 2. You aren't like assuming what is going to make a game easier or harder or I think probably like just more playable is probably the way to think about it rather than easier hard. Because for me, like what I needed to make that game more playable is something like being able to like save, which I know is like not what a roguelike is or, you know, <laughs> or, be, or, you know, being able to like restart from 
I mean, well, I guess then it, it also, it's, it's not just like how hard it was. It's also that like starting from the very beginning every single time is I find really like tedious, right. but I guess the point is, is that like what the developers assume makes the game easier didn't actually necessarily make it easier for me. Right. And I'm only one person and I, I can't understand why Supergiant isn't making games customized to my play experience. But I guess my, my point is just that like, it obviously requires like a ton of resources to do what, for example, The Last of Us 2 did and, you know, make it so that you can tweak all of these different variables. But having said that, I think that would be a really cool thing for games. I, w- I would love to have a game that like where characters hair didn't look as realistic and grass didn't blow in the wind as beautifully but there were more things for me to to tweak when it comes to playability so you know it's interesting and and I think it's it's moving in a cool direction like you know more developers seem to be like thinking about this in more interesting and deep ways which I think is really cool agreed I'm glad that we're I'm glad that we're making progress in some direction. <laughs> yes. Somewhere, somehow on earth, things are moving in a, in a, in a cool direction. <laughs> Even if it's just this one small niche of this one small hobby. <laughs> we take what we can get, folks. In 2020, we take what we can get. I, I mean, that's interesting, though, because, like, you know, we come from a tabletop games background. And, like, when you play an RPG, like, you can tweak every single rule up to and including, like, your RNG right? Like you can just fudge dice rolls. So literally Mm -hmm. nothing in like a tabletop game is sacred. And yet video games have this like much like by their nature, right? Because they're programmed have just a much stricter design to them. Mm -hmm. So I like, I should be very like on board with just removing those structures because that's like my whole deal. (laughs) (laughs) That's your whole thing. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's different, different media. And then it like, uh, yeah, it's it's just different. So, anyway, it was it was an interesting article. It's worth a read because uh, obviously it was thought provoking for us. Yeah, for sure. And we'll we'll make sure it's in the show notes. I think we should move on to what we're playing right now because one of us is playing the most exciting video game of all. Shane, what are you playing lately? I'm playing Fatherhood. <laughs> our first, our first child, our daughter was born on Thanksgiving, and so I have been doing nothing but that um, and a lot of home renovations in, in the meantime so I have managed to squeeze in a couple games of league when she went to bed and and my wife let me <laughs> <laughs> nice huge congrats on yeah. the arrival of your little gamer I can't wait to start just like giving you a bunch of video game and tabletop game related things for her thank you i'm very excited uh, obviously yeah it's just it's gonna be different but it's it's been a fun journey so far one reason that you definitely have to get a ps5 if that becomes a thing that's possible in 2021 for people who don't run like rings of bot mm-hmm. like scalpers is because i feel like you can play video games with kids on consoles more easily than with a pc oh definitely yeah so that's the thing, though, is I've got to get an Xbox and a PS5, though, because like I don't want to indoctrinate her into one cult or the other. I want her to choose. Yeah, you want to. Exactly. I like the way that you are approaching religion. That sounds really yeah, good. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> She'll be baptized in the Final Fantasy like the rest of us. Perfect. Perfect. I look forward to her World of Warcraft confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are you playing, Sally? You, you, you're actually playing video games right now. So let's talk, let's talk about those. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So I started to play a game by Don't Nod, which is the Life is Strange developer and a bunch of other games that are really good. It's called Twin Mirror. And I have to tell you, Shane, it, it is like breathtakingly disappointing. I'm just, I stopped playing. I, I dropped like 20 or 25 bucks on this thing being like, I'm not sure what I want to play next, but Don't Nod rarely lets me down that sentence turned on a dime (laughs) i know i know i know i was hoping to take you on a journey you did the game i so you play this guy who is returning to the mining town in west virginia where you grew up to 
go to your friend's wake and also probably I think like solve a murder is how it's going to turn out. Okay. And you have this kind of, I don't know if it's an, it's an ability or what, but you enter, you can enter like your mind palace where you walk around inside your mind to recon, to kind of relive memories. And also I, I think that it's also used to sort of reconstruct crime scenes, which on paper I guess is fine and cool, but like, the voice acting is so all I could think about was Indigo Prophecy. Oh boy. Because yeah, because you play this guy walking around in third person and like he's narrating all of his thoughts about everything he sees, which just feels so unbelievably unnatural. And you also have this like this guy who talks to you not only when you're in your mind palace, but also generally. And it's like not, I don't, it's called twin mirror. So maybe he's like some kind of a twin. I I don't really understand. I played, I played probably about like an hour and a half or two hours of the game. And I still don't really understand kind of what the conceit is, which feels like not a good sign, but the voice acting is just super stiff. And it's like, it feels so two generations ago and I just feel really mad I feel really mad that this is a don't nod game I I just actually can't it's anyway it ends up being a mystery and it's so like it does the thing that Indigo Prophecy did which I cannot believe video games do this in the year of our lord 2020 where when you walk to a place that the game doesn't want you to go it just straight up like picks you up and reorients you and yeah isn't that wild that's wild right it's like not even like clever invisible walls. It just straight up like like get reset on the track like Mario Kart. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I was just fuck? like I know. I was like, did they run out of time? And they were like, Man, <laughs> we meant to put something in here, but let's just like have a have a real quick reset. I'm like, as you can tell, I'm like in a complete rage about it. Oh my god. I actually considered trying to get like a refund from Sony just to be like this. Like, I know that you can't really get refunds for digital things, but I deserve a refund for this. So we need to break a rule. The other game I'm playing in my never ending quest to play a mystery game that like works as a mystery is Sherlock Holmes, the devil's daughter, which was on sale. Speaking of mind palaces. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And there is a mind palace like mechanic in this game as well. I haven't played that much of it. It's cool so far. It's definitely like this is a game where I wish the easy and hard modes were better explained. Like you get a choice between like, I I can't remember what it's called, but it's like amateur sleuth and like mastermind detective. And there's really no way of knowing what the difference is between those two modes. So I'm playing in hard mode because I do want to play this for like detective-y shit. And you know, it's, it's okay so far. I I will report back later, but uh, I'm, I'm feeling like underwhelmed about my video game life right now. And I I need it to pick up like yesterday. That's we need a we needed a new my time at Porsche. I know we, so, we something really that at least at least draws you in before it disappoints you. Yeah, before it ruins my life. Well, they finally like updated it for the Switch, so maybe I will never go back to that. Never in my life. <laughs> you escaped <laughs> once. Don't don't go back. It's I like know, cigarettes. Don't go back. You can't quit and then go back. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I'll never quit again. It would if I picked it up. It would be the only game I played for the rest of my life. <laughs> Let's talk about Hades, which if you haven't played, you may want to just like caution. We're probably going to do some spoiling here of the story. We did some spoiling in the last episode when we did our Hades part one conversation where we talked about, you know, the the gameplay loop and that kind of thing. But we're going to we're going to dig in even more. And we're going to just kind of talk about like, you know, now that we've played more of it, what worked, what doesn't work, what our playing experience was like overall, and anything that kind of stuck out about it. Shane, you have played a lot more Hades than I have, and you've also made a lot more progress in the game. Can Uh you, can you like kick us off and like, let's just talk about what our experience playing it was like overall? Yeah, sure. So what I really liked about Hades early on was that even though I was kind of doing the same thing every time, it didn't feel grindy because there were enough levers to pull, right? Like weapons, boons, the trinkets, things like that. Like, you know, you get a Daedalus hammer, you got to choose how to change your weapon, like all those kinds of things like kind of added up that it always felt like it was something new and fresh. After 40 plus runs, it's grindy. (laughs) Like, like I can see the field now. 
and all I'm doing is waiting around for the right combination of things or whatever to to just get through this. Mm-hmm. And the the problem that I was running into at the end especially is like every run is like 30 to 45 minutes, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like and I don't really have any threat until I mean if it's a bad run like maybe the third boss which I guess I could just reveal like is a uh, Theseus and Asterion. And then, like, you know, Hades is the final boss. And, like, yeah, I lose to Hades a lot, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, like, I get to Hades, like, 95% of the time, which means I'm doing a full game to lose at the end. (laughs) That's incredibly frustrating. There's also, like, you know, so anyway, what this has amounted to is, like, I love the story. Like, I really love the characters. Like, you know, in the first 20 runs or so, it seemed like every time I failed, I learned something, the world developed, like I got new information, a story advanced somewhere. But like, I'm kind of at the point where all I'm doing is grinding out the game to get more nectar to give to whichever gods that I want to curry favor with to advance some other piece of it, like to get their companion or something to achieve some quest. Or I'm trying to just beat Hades so that I can finish the main story, which is getting back to Persephone and learning more about like why she left the underworld. Right. So like, that's all I know. I need like 10 completion, like 10 successful runs in order to get the full like story and ending and stuff. But like, uh, that's, you know, I think I finished three times, so I have to do it seven more. That's a minimum of like three hours. No, over three hours that I have to be successful at. How many hours is going to take me to actually get those successful runs? Like, I don't know. I'm like I'm tempted to flip it to god mode, but I don't want to fail 6 times in order to get the DR high enough that I can just rattle off 7 straight wins. <laughs> like so I'm like I'm kind of stuck and I'm very frustrated about it cuz I'm like pretty good at the game even though it's a <laughs> roguelike bullet hell <laughs> and like and I still keep hitting the last boss and then like you know, I fuck up one combination and I get comboed and like all of a sudden my 120 health becomes zero and I'm dead. Oh, <laughs> like, God. Yeah. So I don't know. I, like I, I, I hit the wall is what I'm saying. But like I really enjoyed it for the first like 25 to 30 runs before I hit that wall. Totally. Yeah. I think like that makes a lot of sense to me. I the, the My takeaway about this game is that it's a really cool and good game. It's just not for me because roguelikes are just really tough for me. Like I, I mean, I I just have a really hard time keeping with them because at a certain point I just get bored of doing the same stuff over and over. And I, I'm just looking at my notes and I used the phrase over and over like several times in my notes, which I think (laughs) like lets you know how I feel about this, which is just that like, no matter how cool and interesting and stylish and horny a game is, I just, at a certain point, I just get bored. You know, I, and I was really bad at this game. Like I, (laughs) I did beat the first like mini boss once or twice, but then the idea of having to start all over, get to her again, maybe not beat her and keep going was really, I just like could not do it anymore. And I think I think I'm just pretty bad at the game because if I was better at the game, it would have taken me far fewer runs to get to her. So my fatigue with like that boss battle would have been way lower and I wouldn't yeah. mind doing it again and so on and so forth. But, you know, and and I, I wrote here in the notes that roguelikes just aren't for me with the exception of Slay the Spire because I really like Slay the Spire. But even with that game, I never finished because I got to a point that I sort of, I hit, a wall, not of enjoyment. I actually never fatigued on in terms of like enjoying the game, but I wasn't, I just wasn't getting better enough yeah. to get, pa- I would, st- I would I think I would get past the first two levels or some, whatever they're called in Slay the Spire. Mm-hmm. And then I just really couldn't get any further than that. And, and I know that there's just, there's something that I'm not doing optimally in terms of like building a deck or whatever, but I could not for the life of me figure out what it was. So I just like stopped playing it. And that's like a little different than Hades where, you know, there's far more story. There's just, it like, it's just a very like lush experience, like sensorily, but I just was so bad at it that I was getting bored really, really, really quickly. But I feel like I'm a, I'm a really major outlier on this. I feel like this game is just universally beloved. No, no, no. That's it. Full stop. You know? Yeah. I, I, so I think Hades, unlike Slay the Spire. So to me, like Slay the Spire required a lot of like 
meta understanding like you needed to understand Mm -hmm. all the cards in the deck in order to like make good choices like to consistently win in slay the spire which Mm -hmm. i think i got to the point where i i was pretty like consistently winning like full Mm -hmm. runs like not not streaking but like at least you know win two lose one win win one lose one kind of you know Mm -hmm. that that sort of pace which is which is pretty good in slay the spire in hades i feel like I got to the point where I knew the playing field quicker and that made me disappointed in the game. Right. Because huh, like yeah. the, the curve to me, like and there's a curve, there's always a curve to these roguelike experiences, right. Where like, you've got to get your arms around it and early on you lose and you expect to lose. And then in the middle, you expect to win more than you lose. And at the end, mm-hmm. you know that you're just refining things and trying to perfect them. And mm-hmm. like, that's where I got there and slay the spire. Like I think probably fairly quickly i didn't get to that perfecting element of hades because i just like it's almost like there were too many variables or something but i, yeah. I don't know like or or maybe the runs just took too long or maybe it's just that, like the combat isn't actually fun enough for me to like sit there and do it for multiple hours on end but hades to me feels like a game that i'm going to keep installed and i'll go back to and you know like every couple weeks like i'll i'll make a couple runs like i'll check back in and like i won't lose all the knowledge that you need in order to be good at the game in quite the way that i did with slay the spire where like not having looked at the cards i have no idea what i'm supposed to draft anymore right right like (laughs) whereas like in hades i'm like i still got a pretty good idea like i still like you know i can remember which which boons i liked and which i didn't it's not that hard the like builds aren't that like tightly knit so like i don't know like it feels like it has more longevity even though like i have certainly hit the point where i don't want to play it anymore now and i find that extremely ironic as a league player because league (laughs) is all about an infinite learning curve and absolutely like like too much information to possibly absorb and ever really master Mm -hmm. certainly now in year 10 of the game (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but yet here I am still, you know, slogging up that hill. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, because I remember, like, when we started playing Slay the Spire, I think I started playing it, and I was like, Shan, I think you'd really like this game because it has a lot of that like meta thinking that you have to do. And so then you started playing it, and you so quickly surpassed me in terms of like strategy and understanding the game. And it, it was like one of those times when I was like marveling at how different our brains work because you were making references to strategies that like I hadn't even gotten far enough in the game to like be able to implement. And so with Hades, I was like, this will be a roguelike where I, I'm, I don't need as much of that kind of ability to wrap my head around strategy and like the meta way, the strategic decisions that you have to make. Mm -hmm. And that is true about Hades. Like, I think that, you know, there are a lot of variables, but if you kind of generally wrap your mind around what's happening, you can play the game. However, I think actually what I'm realizing is that like, it's not really with roguelikes. I, I think what it must be is like, the repetition aspect, because I I was just thinking about what I said about how when I get frustrated in a game after like five tries, I just put it on easy mode. I think that I'm like very anxious to get to like the next novel thing in the game that I haven't seen or done yet. And I'm kind of like that in life. Like I, I can do anything for like 45 to 60 minutes and then I'm bored no matter what it is, no matter how much fun I'm having. So like, I I think that maybe that might be one of the barriers for me with Hades with like both like being not very good at it and bored easily. It makes it so that like those two things in combination make it so that I'm just like, I'm just going to hit a wall way earlier than I think other people would. So I think to flip that around then, like the other way to look at Hades then is that like all the elements that aren't the core gameplay of Hades come together in a way that like, kept you playing it for so much longer than you naturally would play any other game of this genre right because like fact you doing this 20 times like i i agree is so out of character for you (laughs) yeah 100 me me doing it 50 times is like yeah sure whatever like he spent a week (laughs) like of course he wasted his time doing that that's who shane is but like for you to do that (laughs) is like i mean i think speaks a lot to 
like all of those aesthetic elements like the the characters the art the sound the general horniness you know like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some somewhat probably even the zeitgeist around it like kind of kept you in it much longer than i think the gameplay itself naturally would have on its own yeah i 100 percent. i mean honestly like for a game that every moment that passes i'm delighted by what i'm seeing and hearing whether it's like a two word thing that Zagreus says or the mm-hmm. design of a guy you're fighting or like a, a really small piece of dialogue or just like a beautiful horny God on the screen to be so delighted by everything I'm seeing and also interested in the story that's, you know, unfurling, you know, and to, and to, I mean, that carried me through. I wonder how many runs I did. I might've done like 40 for me. I mean, I feel like that's another person playing something for like five years straight, which I, I really do think says a lot about how cool the game is, how awesome it looks. You know, the, the, the characters, the character arcs and the world building for a game that's like mostly about hacking and slashing your way through a dungeon is actually like pretty deep and pretty rich and felt good and real and awesome. Yeah, I I, I think that's the wall that I hit, by the way, is that mm. that stuff wasn't coming fast enough anymore after mm-hmm. each run that like failure was rewarded, mm-hmm, <laughs> I guess, mm-hmm. right? Like there comes a point where like, all right, this the story of of all the different gods here are not necessarily advancing as fast as my failure is advancing like, <laughs> yeah that i that just feels bad <laughs> totally yeah yeah you yeah, yeah I, I will say like some other stuff that works really well there like mechanically i thought like there's lots of build paths for every weapon for every for every god like both the olympian gods the you know different trinkets that you get the different boons like i thought the way that they laid out the quests and the way that the codex kind of lays out all the boons for you like the duos were like kind of pretty genius right like mm-hmm. the, so the duo boons are the ones you unlock if you have certain prereqs from two different gods. But that gives you a target of like, cool, if I go and get like, all right, so I, you know, I have Aphrodite. If I get her, you know, charm ability, and then I also get like the hangover or the, yeah, the festive fog from uh Dionysus yeah so like if you know if I get those two things together like cool like I can you know I get this upgraded casting ability great like that's a thing to work towards and then I can make my decisions towards that they all more or less work you know some of them not so much others very very well but like you can kind of get your sense for that I felt like that really helped signpost how to like wrap your head around what boons to pick and then I also like that there's a lot of variables to play with like there's six weapons. Each of the weapons have four aspects that you upgrade over time. So they have different play styles, like all the different boons that are available, the trinkets, I guess artifacts, I think are what they're called, but like the little rewards that you start each run with. Like I, I thought those are really great. That's another thing to grind through. And I unfortunately probably spent too much time grinding those because they just, I don't know, some of them proved not to be so valuable. The Daedalus hammers, like again, like fundamentally change your gameplay. So there's a lot of different choices to make there and like a lot of stuff to kind of think through and learn. But then you run into the the roguelike element of like, cool, I found this combo that works, right? Like I really like this combo. Why can't I just repeat that <laughs> like mm-hmm, i would mm-hmm. like to t- i would like to test this combo i would like to not test rng you know and totally. like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's like that's the the fundamentally frustrating part about roguelike when you have that many variables is like you're kind of capturing lightning in a bottle every time because you'll never quite get those rune uh, the, that, that combination of abilities together again so but i liked i liked the like the volume that's there mm-hmm. felt like it was deep enough so I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that actually this is a game that has so many different kind of variables built in that it almost functions as like not not like a not taking the place of like an easy mode or a hard mode, but I I think that it actually makes it more playable than a lot of other roguelikes because there are so many builds that can work and so many mm-hmm. different variables that you can use. I think though, you know, the thing that again like that 
sucks about roguelikes is that like, you know, I would have a run where like I would get all the stuff I needed and I would be Meg. And then the next run, I wouldn't get any of the stuff I needed. But like, those are the things that I got really good at, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter because they may never come back. Yeah. You almost have to like, you have to advance your skill in literally everything at the same rate in order to consistently advance. And that's very challenging if you have any play style preference, like you have to be so versatile instead of being a specialist. It, It can be really really challenging i i'm I'm with you on that that is uh i think in the show notes you've just put a grimace emoji and i get yeah (laughs) yeah i mean you know this is the kind of thing where it's like this this is a really good game just not for me and i and i feel Mm -hmm. like i can appreciate it i can appreciate a lot of the things about it you know in the same way that i can appreciate like you know, tabletop wargaming with miniatures. Like I, Warhammer looks really cool. I know ultimately like it's not for me. It's like, I know it's not a thing that I would really enjoy doing myself. Like, you know, Pathfinder seems like in many ways it's really cool. I think probably ultimately not for me, but I, I understand why it's enjoyable and people like it. Like the the thing itself is not bad. Unlike the game I'm playing Twin Mirror, which I think the thing itself is bad. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's obviously good. It's just not like, it's just not a love match with me per se. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say, like, I think this game asks you to put a lot of trust in the developer that there's going to be payoff. Mm -hmm. Like, especially early on, like, they throw a lot of currencies at you. They ask you to make a lot of choices without any context. So like, like right. nectar is is a limited resource that you give to to advance your relationships with different gods and other characters. Wherever you put that early on affects how your early runs work in a meaningful way yeah. because like the first god that you give it to gives you their gives you an artifact, right? And it's like okay, well, now I'm more powerful with this artifact, so I'm naturally going to be using that god's boons more. Right. Like you're making a choice with no context. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Titan's Blood. The first time you beat Megara, you get Titan's Blood. You can use that to upgrade weapons. I don't know if you can actually do that immediately or if you just sit on it for a while. But like the first time you put Titan's Blood in a weapon, you have like two or three Titan's Blood available to you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And you upgrade something and you're like making a huge commitment of this super rare resource that isn't clear how you're going to get more <laughs> of it. Yeah. And it's like, and and then you see you have four other, four total aspects that you like want to invest in and unlock. And like, if I put blood into this, that means I can't unlock that. And like, I sure hope this pays off and it's as cool as it sounds because if it sucks, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you just keep making that leap of faith over and over again. Generally, I feel like it pays off. But there are definitely times where like, I wish I had a refund button. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. And then like, there's just a lot of hidden mechanics that reveal over time in this game. And like, if you watch somebody stream it and saw them play and then started it fresh yourself, like you could be kind of overwhelmed by how much stuff is missing. Mm-hmm. Right. And wondering like, is there something I need to do to unlock this next step? Or does this just come naturally over a number of runs? Like the game assumes you will fail a certain number of times. It does a good job of that. But like, man, it is tough when you don't have a codex, you know, because I think you get the codex on run two or three and you're just blindly making decisions and yeah. fumbling around smashing buttons. And it's like, is this going to go somewhere? <laughs> like, I don't have all day here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a thing that I don't love. And it's also a thing that I, because of the kinds of games I'm used to playing and spending all my time on, it's also just like a really foreign thing to be yeah. asked to do a bunch of stuff without knowing what will happen when I do it? Like what's going to happen when I use this resource? Should I save this as like a, as a sort of compulsive, like (laughs) resource saver, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to spend things without knowing what they're going to do. So yeah, I, 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 you know, this is just like totally one of those things that I think is like, if you were to make something that's kind of the exact opposite of like my mindset and like, I don't know, sensibility, it's, it's probably going to end up being this game with the, you know, yeah. with the asterisk that the story is awesome and it has a cool aesthetic. <laughs> right. Okay. So speaking of like ways that like this game didn't exactly meet our very, very specific personalized custom needs for games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not even high standards, just specific ones. <laughs> yeah. Just specific to us as individuals. What are a couple of things that you think would have like, if the, if the game or like the roguelike genre adopted, it would make the game kind of like more playable for you. I would really like a fast forward mode mm-hmm. because honestly, like I haven't lost in Tartarus or Asphodel, like 
in so long that like playing through the first two levels is just a straight like time tax. Mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. like I uh, Sally like I've died in Asphodel. Like I, I died to like sub bosses and things like that. I've never lost to the final boss in Asphodel. Like wow. like it's the the Hydra is like I've never lost to that boss. So why do I have to keep playing this? Like it's just wasting my time when all I'm really doing is rolling the dice to see which boons come up and like make the build decisions. Like you can start me in in the third level in Elysian Fields with half health and all the boons and I'll just go. Like I'll just go from there. Save me a bunch of time mm-hmm. because like I can do it. I've done it 40 fucking times straight. Like I'm not going to die in either of those and you get enough of a reset between them that like I'm not concerned if I walk out with one health, I'll be okay. But yeah, yeah I'm so like that's that is my frustration is like I will beat the shit. I will I will run into the wall of Hades at the end every single time until I smash through it. But like, stop making me do Tartarus and Asphodel, please. Yeah, totally. I, I that seems totally reasonable to me when you're able to get that far. I just I feel like you should be able to be like, I've already paid the tax. So now I get to you know, I, or I've paid the toll. So now I get to sail through this, this part. Yeah. There's, there's the concept. That's the thing is there's like, after you beat it, there's the concept of like raising your heat to make it more difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you've got a bunch of different levers you can pull to like, you know, reset the, the rewards. Like I'm not even trying to reset those rewards. I've already finished the rewards. I get nothing out of those levels. Like just let me go. Yeah, totally. No, that, that totally, I think makes a lot of sense. And unlike what I'm about to suggest does not pander solely to the person who like is either so bad at the game or so bored with roguelikes that they probably just shouldn't have picked up the game in the first place, which is Uh (laughs) make games where roguelike mode is just an optional mode. (laughs) This is, this is the rejection of demon souls as a concept that I just cannot get. I know this is, this is what we call utter premise rejection. How do we make the genre better? Make it a different genre. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What have you considered making it a JRPG? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Have you considered making this a visual novel? You know, so this is the kind of thing where it's like what I'm requesting is that developers make two games every time they make a roguelike, make a roguelike and then make a game where the roguelike mode is optional. So it's ridiculous. But barring that, I would love to, this is actually, I think, kind of similar to your, your thing, Shane, which is just like, can I just like save after a mini boss and just like start at the next place? Mm -hmm. And again, I think this gets at the, like for people who aren't good at the game and, or are getting really bored. Let me just save, which I understand, you know, defeats the purpose of a roguelike because you're supposed to not be able to like really continue with, you know, every, every build is like, well, that's not true. I was going to say every build is totally random, but that's not true because some of the things that you get carry over to the next one. But, you know, yeah. nevertheless, it defeats the purpose of a roguelike. And yet, if I could have saved after Meg, I probably would have gotten a lot farther in the game. I, yeah, I would like to. I, I do think that would be a cool way of doing a story mode, right? Mm-hmm. Given that this is a story driven game, yeah. like give us a story mode that is like, yeah, you can save after a boss. Like you can always like you can checkpoint yourself you're not getting the full experience and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like, it's about the story, not about like the difficulty of roguelikes. Totally. Why don't we, what's, let's just like close out this Hades discussion with something that like really stuck out to us about the game, whether it's like a cool mechanic or like a particular moment. We've already, like, I think that a lot of things in this game stuck out to both of us. I think we both like mm-hmm. stipulate this is a dope game, but we each, decided to just like pick a thing that stuck out extra for us. So Shane, what's yours? Uh, as usual, two things. So one, Eurydice's song. Oh, that's um, right. Which which you have not gotten to, unfortunately. But you but sent it's called it. Good Riddance. Yeah, sorry. I just talked over it. You sent it to me and it is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that song is like this haunting melody. It's so good. Like the story of Eurydice and, and Orpheus is she's one of his. Uh, Orpheus is the court musician of Hades. And Eurydice is one of his muse or is his muse and also like his, you know, long lost lover. Amazing. Love that. But the the thing that stuck out to me is like the interplay of Theseus and Asterion in Elysian Fields, which you didn't get to, which I hate for you. <laughs> because like so so Theseus and Asterion are the the Minotaur and obviously like the 
you know, the prince who defeats the Minotaur. Mm -hmm. They fight in a in an arena uh, and they're the final boss oh, of wow. Elysian Fields. They fight as a team, right? And so like he like Theseus throws a spear at you and then holds up a shield and then Asterion is a bull who charges into you and blah 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 blah. Anyway, like Theseus is an unrepentant jerk off like he's the least likable character in the game Zagreus doesn't like him he doesn't like Zagreus there's a moment like the first time you get him low he calls upon the Olympians for a boon himself and then they start they start fighting you How dare <laughs> on his behalf and like that's your reaction that's literally that's Zagreus' really reaction cool. it's like what the fuck that's not fair <laughs> that's cool so there's that moment there's that moment. Then later on, after you face them the first time, you can get Asterion as a mini boss, like a, a, a sub boss in Elysian Fields. And then you start to talk to Asterion, who's like, yeah, I mean, he's an asshole, but like, you know, we're kind of a team. And like, you can, you know, you have to fight and defeat Asterion and then he leaves and you see him again at the end. And like, you talk shit, or Theseus talks shit, to, talks shit to you. And Asterion is like, I mean, he's kind of okay. He's like a, he's an okay guy. Like, <laughs> I want to be, you know, like he's a pretty good warrior. You should probably watch out for this guy. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then it's like, but we got to fight. Oh man, that's <laughs> so, like, cool. I, that that's little a twist. triangle is, yeah, it's so like, I don't know, it's so funny and cute. And like the the moment, like the first time, like Theseus called down, like uh, he literally uses the call ability. Like you know, if you you know call mm -hmm. the, the god, like he gets the call ability, and like it's such a like. <laughs> <laughs> WTF moment for you and Zagreus. It's just, it's great. So I'm sorry that you didn't get to that, but it is one of my favorite. It sounds, yeah. it sounds awesome. And I love when there is a genuinely surprising moment in a game. Cause you know, like with anything that you do a lot of it, like the surprises feel rarer and rarer. So I think that's just mm -hmm. like, it's just so fun to be like, Oh my God, what's happening? Whoa, that's cool. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. How about you? Yeah. So for me, like, honestly, like every time you restart a run, Zagreus gets dropped into Tartarus, you know, which is where, which is the very first kind of like, I don't know, level that you need to beat and him just dropping through the music and him dropping through. And he, he'll, he always says something like, he'll say something to the effect of like, here we go again. The fact that I played this game as many times as I did and as long as I did is like a testament to these little moments being just so cool and stylish and fun. And mm -hmm. I would, I was shocked on like the 15th time I got dropped into Tartarus that I was, that moment still felt like awesome and cool and good. It's just like, it's two seconds. It's just, it's great. And it's like, harkens back to what we were saying before that like there's enough really cool stuff going on in this in this game, the score is fucking amazing. The voice acting is mm -hmm. really good that it, it got me through a lot of moments that should be either like that should that should become boring far sooner than they did or should just be kind of like whatever moments, you know, and they're, they're right. not whatever moments. And it kind of reminds me actually a little bit of in Watch Dogs Legion, which I've now finished and it's not that good of a game. Every time you start the game after switching an operative, because the whole thing about Legion is that you have this like team and you oh, switch between them that makes sense yeah given the name now yeah exactly the scene starts with your character just for just a few seconds kind of doing something like looking at their phone or talking to someone or just kind of like finishing up just some routine yeah. task they were doing and it it always feels really shoehorned in and it feels like they're trying to make this character seem unique. And it's like, I'm, I'm watching, I feel like I'm watching the developers try to make a moment and it just mm -hmm. doesn't feel like a moment. And that is like in stark contrast to this thing of Zagreus getting dropped into Tartarus, which if you're like me, you see a lot of times and every <laughs> single time it feels like a moment, even though, what you're seeing and hearing is basically the same every time. And it's just you, like, you know, this game is just, it's just very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I feel that like, that sort of like, 
your heart rate starts a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. You like kind of have to like shake out your neck, you know, and you're like, all right, totally. let's do this back in the ring. <laughs> you know, like, hundred one more go, Zagreus. Percent. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. Well, I mean, I think we did it. I think we talked about Hades like from every angle we possibly could. Is there anything else you want to add, Shane, before we close out the episode? Just let us know what you thought of this kind of two part format. If this was helpful, yeah. uh, if you enjoyed kind of a deeper dive into into one game, you know, write us at, at co-op mood pod or co-op mood pod at gmail.com. Yeah. And speaking of doing deeper dives into specific games, the next game that we're going to play and dive into is Hitman 2, which is available if you if you have a PS Now membership, I believe you can get it at a pretty good discount. And maybe do you know what the deal is with it on Steam, Shane? I don't. Uh, I think that deal expired. The, there was a Black Friday, Cyber Monday uh, deal, but I I missed it, so I don't know what it was. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, we are gonna we're gonna dive deep into Hitman Two, and you know, provided people are like into this format, we'll we'll stick with it a little bit. What is something that you are excited about? I am excited about Happiest Season, a new film out on Hulu. It is a holiday family rom-com with a strong LGBTQ plus theme to it. Stars Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Aubrey Plaza, Alison Brie, and the real reason we're all here, the the gem of our generation, Daniel Levy mm-hmm. from Schitt's Creek fame. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's your, it's your, it's your holiday rom-com, but with like kind of a, a younger and modern and, uh, you know, kind of telling, uh, you know, about family dynamics. And this one specifically is about a lesbian relationship and coming out and, you know, all of all of those kind of themes. So it's a uh, very heartfelt brought uh, my wife to tears, um, made me a little made me a little sappy. So anyway, yeah, it was a, uh, you know, like for what it is, <laughs> which is again a holiday family rom-com. <laughs> it feels like a really good execution. That's awesome. I'm I'm excited. I have not watched it yet. I've been saving it and I'm going to watch it in the next like week or two, so I will report back, but you know, I'm 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 like a a holiday season enthusiast. I can uh-huh. I can get into some <laughs> I can get into some winter holiday shit. So that sounds awesome. I I could see this this movie kind of like taking a spot on the shelf next to like Elf in that like if it's the holidays I got to watch it you know I got to at least watch it once like it's just it's it's just nice it's just nice I, look <laughs> so. just nice is the genre that like I've been needing more of for this last four years so I will take it right right so what are you excited about Sally so like many an expanse. TV show viewer before me, I have mm-hmm. I have now started to read the first novel, which is called Leviathan Wakes. Interesting, because I had to read the TV show. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that, I had to turn on captions or whatever subtitles. Yes, that will happen with the Expanse. I definitely, I've yeah tried to watch it without subtitles and was like, nope, not a thing. So I'm about 100 pages into the first novel. I'm really, really liking it so far. I really hope I continue to like it. I I feel very nervous because the last time I dipped my toes into like a universe with a lot of novels, it was A Song of Ice and Fire books. And that was fun, but also it really felt like a project I was undertaking. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like my second job was to like get through all those books. And I really don't want to feel that way about The Expanse because I just, I love the show. I think that like, I can already tell that The Expanse is more readable than than the books by our friend and yours, George R.R. Martin. So I -hmm. I think I'm going to be good. I, I hope I get through all of the books. There's a lot of them. So, but I'm, I'm psyched. I'm having a really, really good time with it. And it's also like, I think the show does a good job of making you feel like they're what you're seeing is kind of like based in some scientific reality, like the way gravity works, for example, or Mm -hmm. this is what would happen if people suffered injurious wounds in space. And the book kind of goes into even more detail about that kind of stuff. And it just makes it feel really Mm -hmm. rooted and, and real. So I'm psyched. I'm excited about it. Cool. (laughs) 
that is it for this episode. We did it. Please rate us and review us. It really would help us out. You can also follow us on Twitter at coopmoodpod with no punctuation. And you can follow me at mundangerous. That's M-U-N dangerous. And you can follow me at Sally T. And you can also email us at coopmoodpod at gmail.com. And you can find us and other great gaming podcasts on the OneShot Network at oneshotpodcast.com. Co-op Mood is produced by Shane and Sally. Edited by Lucas. Our music is Pixel Squirrel by Espresso Music. Logo design by Emily Cardamus.